This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. All right, welcome back to this week's Off the Break Podcast. We're in the middle of CinemaCon week, the week that uh, all theater owners are at the forefront of entertainment news right it's, it's like the their one convention <laughs> i know it seems like it's the world's convention like trailers get released and celebrities do stuff and uh, olivia munn gets a custody <laughs> it's, it wasn't olivia munn it was olivia wilde whatever <laughs> one of those two doofuses anyway there's gonna be a movie star that has that happen to them even if it wasn't in it, cinema con but mm-hmm. it's it's awesome like this one week of the year that it's it, they say that it's movie stars week but it's theater owners week mm-hmm yeah, that's, that needs to get addressed to the public more. I feel like the public who's into movies and hears about CinemaCon thinks it's like a press con type thing when it's really for movie theaters. Yeah, it's a weird thing, though, because you don't get a convention for like, um, you know, like music venues. Like all the music venue operators aren't getting together and being like, aren't our venues great? <laughs> yeah. Like where are we at the forefront of technology in our rock yeah. concert? We're venue? innovating. Bon, bon Jovi doesn't go out on stage and like, we're going to kill it this summer for right. all of you. I mean, 14 of you. Yeah. We're going to kill it. <laughs> gonna kill it. <laughs> it's because of you guys. I know. It would be like if they only addressed like the, the top key. 10 theaters in the US when they're talking to a room of 5,000 people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> AMC Burbank, we're talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Or like stand-up comedy circuit. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that funny bone. That is such a good chain. Yeah, I know. It's it's really, I mean, our industry is niche and weird enough and has enough. Um, it is so different from any other industry and not even any other thing like it. Like a, any other venue type still doesn't get the, I don't know, the pomp and the circumstance and the weird rules and the craziness that we get in our industry. I know. But that's what makes us great. It does. Because we it fight through it all. It's special. <laughs> it makes it special. But I was just thinking about this too. Like when Pepsi releases a new flavor, they put mm-hmm. a commercial on TV and then it just shows up at the store. The store yeah. has no idea that they're going to make pickle Pepsi. <laughs> like they have no idea that that's coming. They're like, this is weird. And then you put it on the shelf because that's what you're supposed to yeah. do. Yeah. Like you don't have any, there's no run up to it. It's not like, Although I will say there's no Pepsi con. <laughs> Colonel Sanders doesn't run out on stage and like, we're going to do a chicken sandwich with two chickens and no bread. They do and that's have because of you guys. A concessionaire's convention. So there yeah. is a little bit of that. Correct. But Vin Diesel doesn't go out on stage and say, before Fast 10 comes out, <laughs> to say, we're doing Fast 11. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> we're doing Pickle Pepsi. Woo! That was the announcement from today that was just hilarious. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so He's unfortunately, like the gravy train's still rolling. <laughs> unfortunately, we couldn't be there, but we hope you all listening. You're probably listening to this after CinemaCon, and we do hope that you guys had a really, really great time. Mm-hmm. Because from what we were hearing, there was some cool stuff yeah. coming out of it. This is the first year since I started going to CinemaCon that I chose not to go. I don't count pandemic years, but I chose not to go this year um, for a variety of reasons. And now I'm like really sad because this was actually a really big, really exciting year where the studios really brought it to their for you know for their shows and mm-hmm. i just i'm kind of sad i'm not there right now i know kyle's gonna do a roundup here in a second i'm a, a little disappointed but on a personal note we've had the busiest week of our lives this week yeah <laughs> it's so like, true i feel like for I'm, you guys I'm, I'm i'm moving houses but the moving van is in constant motion where i've got to run right. outside and throw something into just the back like, of it it's just making passes it's moving without you <laughs> yeah. it feels like my my brain is on a treadmill oh we my god <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. No, it was a good week for us not to be there. And for it was a great week for the studios to be gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that like not a lot of things could happen. So we could actually get caught up with work because our industry is coming back and it is coming back in a strong way and it's getting busy and we're not even at summer yet. But man, the, the grosses, the amount of content, it's just it's back to those pre-pandemic levels in some ways, and it's just exciting. Yeah, the excitement is there. Absolutely. I'm also exhausted because I I feel rusty. <laughs> like I got two years to like really relax, and now it's like <laughs> get back to work. Uh, it didn't help. Like the Mario Air Wednesday openings, like really oh. threw a monkey wrench in everything. Yes, for everybody. Those are and, tough. And it's like okay, we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna have Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. In eight days, which is like. The easily the biggest tracking movie short of Spider-Man we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man, the tracking was crazy, and obviously it performed that way. But the tracking was so crazy because they had captive audiences at home. <laughs> right. like, hey, would you like to go out and see anything else <laughs> that looks like a quality film? We get to go out and see a movie, and yeah. there's how many Spider-Man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. no matter who you are, you had a Spider-Man that you liked in it. I yeah, pretty much. Mario was like that too. We hadn't had a family movie in so long since Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, four months almost without a family movie, and it was like, "Hey, are you getting sick of your kids? Do you want to be out of your house with them? Come to the movie." <laughs> well, it's also a video game property that spans many oh. generations, more than maybe some theater owners could have ever predicted, which is fair. Yeah. Oh, and my kids assume like Mario is the original video game yep because the only one that's kind of stood the test of time yeah like for sure pong galaga space invaders like they look at those and they're just they they get physically ill what's pac-man like at least mario looks like mario like it looks like you go through the level and you do things and you hit boxes with your head like that Mm -hmm. hasn't changed so they're like i identify with this (laughs) i think also for a lot of people mario was their first introduction to video games. Oh, like, yeah. I know for me, for our kids, mm-hmm. um, they got a Switch. They got uh, Mario, what was it, Galaxy? I'd... Yeah. And and Mario Odyssey. And that was their, mm-hmm. so, so sure. they just really identify with Mario. And I think for a lot of people, Mario is your introduction. Yeah, Mario Kart. I don't know which one it was, but whatever it was on GameCube. <laughs> Mario... But yeah. Oh. GameCube? Game yeah. Was it Mario 64? No, not for my generation. Oh, God. Yeah, I forget. I'm younger than you. That's how, but that's how many generations this. I'm younger than you. Mine was regular Nintendo. You really being out here in the mountains. No, mine just came so much later to you. No, my first was. (laughs) Have you heard of the light bulb? My first was the first regular Nintendo too, and then Super Nintendo. So that was my first Mario's. Oh my gosh, going from being able to go back into a level was amazing, and then the jump (laughs) and all those things. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. All right. Well, I read the script wrong, and I already introduced the yeah. CinemaCon rundown. So, Kyle, why okay. don't you hit us yeah. with that Kyle, real fast? Get, get back to that. Uh, well, everything that was coming out from CinemaCon was praising how good all these movies look, and rightfully so. We've been able to have these studios get time to shape things up, make sure that their content's mm-hmm. ready to go, and then from there, they just get to present it in the best way possible. Uh, some things that I noticed was obviously what Ken mentioned, Fast and Furious 11, which at this point shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Because they'll just keep cranking these out until they're just too old to do it anymore, I suppose. Well, did he say it was a trilogy? So is a trilogy no, it's 9, a 10, 11? No, it's a two-parter. Or this 10, is... 10, 11. 10 and 11 will be a two-parter? I guess, yeah. So we're going to end 10 on a cliffhanger? Yeah. So we're not going to end at sure. the logical conclusion <laughs> right. of 3, 5, or 10. 
10. We're going to go to 11. We're going to turn up to 11. <laughs> yeah. Fast and Furious. Oh, that's the tagline. Yeah. Turn it up to 11. <laughs> uh, up to 11. But on top of that, we also heard that some of the footage that was coming out for those movies were excellent, including Across the Spider-Verse. I think that's the one that I definitely heard the most about. They showed about... 20 minutes of it or so and it sounds like the animation is looking great so pushing it back probably was the right call uh looks like the story is going to be uh possibly more emotional but obviously have a lot of spider-man too so it's a mixture of what everyone's kind of wanting as well oh my gosh we saw last year at CinemaCon they had some footage of spider-verse but it wasn't done yet Mm -hmm. um and so to have more footage this year is because it was supposed to be thanksgiving or christmas and they pushed it back yeah of 22 yeah something like that i something don't know like i don't remember all of sony's dates <laughs> the uh, who can <laughs> <laughs> the one i'm excited the update that i was excited about was dune 2 they showed the trailer for mm-hmm. and it starts out exactly where i fell asleep during dune 1 <laughs> so that's exciting. so perfect you'll be right there plus they say that this one is leaning towards being more action heavy rather than the first one was where the action is like the last hour of it the can't movie. be less action heavy <laughs> <laughs> but it could get people more excited who are like oh, i was God. kind of into dune when i saw it but i could use a little more action like a little more um uh, fast pacedness to it maybe yeah. so it's possible that it could do much better than the first one did i know after the i i liked uh Dennis V word, whatever his name is, the director. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> the college in Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Villanueva. Villanueva. Venezuela. Venezuela. Uh, uh, that uh, oil rich country in Villa- South America. Oh, shoot, what's his name? Didn't he- Villanueva? I think Villanueva. <laughs> but yeah, we definitely need to have somebody behind him. Like, let's speed this up. Let's let's find another. Yeah. Let's find another avenue to get us through the story. Character development is good. But the, the, throwing more swords. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But the history of like the book, like I remember seeing the book growing up, and like that's a big ass book. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it's like, all right, well, like, can we cut this down to like 90 pages, guys? <laughs> really help me out here. Maybe a movie, possibly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, something that I did notice was that Sony also released the Gran Turismo trailer uh, for the racing video game. And it just brought me back to when Ken brought this up uh, on an episode a few weeks back because we can't believe that there even is a Gran Turismo movie being made. But I guess it's also based on a famous race car driver who was also a gamer initially or something like that I, so i don't even know i just don't know what this movie I'm glad is <laughs> david harbour's in it but we're just using titles like this yeah. movie could literally be titled race yeah and it wouldn't it would drag it would grab the Gas same pedal. amount yeah it would grab <laughs> the same amount of attention that i mean i know it's it's a sony property but i would think they have another racing property with a cooler name. There's got to be something like even uh, Jesus burnout skid mark <laughs> something. It was funny. Cause Kyle's like, they're really making this movie. This is a real thing. And I, from the other office, I was like, yeah, I'm having to put it on my booking sheets already. Like I'm looking into the summer and it is there. It even, was on the release schedule. I didn't even know it came out this year <laughs> or that well, it's going to come out this year. Well, it is Sony. So, you know, maybe it's a fall movie. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. The other Sony Maybe it'll news. end up a fall movie. Hope to be surprised. The other Sony news was that Craven the Hunter is going to be rated R. Yeah, one of their for Marvel... ridiculously boring. <laughs> one of their Marvel spinoff movies is apparently so bloody and unhinged, according to people that saw the trailer, that it's going to be R-rated. Which I don't see why. 
you need to do that. Who does Craven hunt? I don't know. Whatever he wants, like, I guess. Animals. I'm hoping people. What's he gonna, I'm hoping did Nicholas he hunt Holt. Spider Man <laughs> in the comics. Is yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. So are we going to get him going after a Spidey? No, Marvel won't let us. Marvel won't let us. Okay. <laughs> they're not going to let him kill Spider Man. Not kill, hunt. Two different things. So then they're going to stalking. Him. <laughs> so it's going to be some like trapping. Yeah. Like Venom, where it's just like Marvel adjacent, where they're like, yeah. look yeah. at that. Captain America walked by. Weird. <laughs> Have you heard of this Spider-Man guy? No time. <laughs> so everybody just disappeared for five years? Yeah. Um, but hopefully that R rating doesn't hurt uh, its potential box office. But maybe a little surprise still. No, having Aaron Taylor Johnson in it spoils its box office, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. And then the last thing I thought of mentioning was the the Napoleon movie, which Sony is just distributing. But I think it was an Apple movie originally or maybe i have that mistaken but it sounds like it's gonna be really epic and intense from ridley scott and joaquin phoenix ridley scott war movie period piece i'm in yep exactly <laughs> it sounded when i saw the thing about the 100 percent about the scene that they showed at CinemaCon, which was this like awesome lake battle scene where they basically shoot the ice out of the they lake they surround and they, the enemy on a yeah. frozen lake and then break the ice so the enemy and they just drowns yeah. it just sounds they awesome. freeze and drown and, and i just so thought epic. oh my gosh this is gonna be a kent movie <laughs> i better find some time to watch the kids really scott finally got cannons and it's yeah. gonna be yeah and it's gonna be four hours long oh yeah. for sure <laughs> that that's the downside but yeah, but it'll he, be for us at least. But he knows how to pace a movie. He knows yeah, how to. I mean, if it's four hours, that means there's going to be thirteen battles in it. It's not going to be. It's not going to be Oppenheimer where they blow it up at the end and you're like, oh yeah, finally that happened. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was many more things about CinemaCon that we can mention, but those were just some of our highlights that works for our taste and mm-hmm. what we think of the industry. But we're really happy to hear that it sounded like it was um, a big success. Yeah, it's going really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, David Saslov, who now heads Warner's, um, the combined studio, came out and just was really about theater owners and really supportive. And we want to support the theatrical model. And I think getting somebody from like that upper echelon of the corporate world to like come down and be like, yes, this is what we're doing was so much better and so much better for the owners than the previous guy in his Operation Popcorn initiative. So but, big, big time. But Warner's is a. You know, they've been a, a stalwart in the industry since it started. Yeah. They, we need them to be strong for the industry to be yeah. strong. And it, after all the day and date window stuff, the Magic Mike BS in February. Oh, my gosh. Like, but then they, they course corrected with Evil Dead, and, and it was great. And we're ready to go. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, it seems like they're on board now with theatrical, and we're going to see. Yeah, and they're, you know. they, they don't have as much product this year as they normally do, but I think that you're going to see it ramping up in the next few years. So I think oh, we got our Warners back, which is great. Yeah, it sounds like in the Coliseum it went much better than the year I went where they just announced that everything's going to HBO Max and yes. they didn't show up to CinemaCon only with bad oh web cameras and the tension was, in the room was It was so high. awful. <laughs> Look at all of our product that you now we, have to share. We promise we love theaters. Everyone in the room's like, no. <laughs> no. 
we don't believe you. And now they're gone, so it's fine. Oh my gosh, I was so glad when that guy left. I don't even want to say his name. I don't remember his name, so it's it works for me. Uh, all right, so should we get to our main topic? Yes. Or we, you've got to review your movie. Oh, you want to do that first? Okay. Well, I went and finally saw Renfield. I love Nicholas Holt. Ken hates him, but I love him. And um, I was really excited for this movie. Mm. And then it didn't do very good. I'm like, oh, well, this is probably just a case of this is a movie that I like that nobody else really likes. And it it didn't know what it is. It did not know what it was. And then I went and saw it. And I was like, I wanted so badly to like this movie. I thought I will like it no matter what. And I went away going, eh, it was okay. It was pretty meh. And I still can't, like, wrap my head around why it wasn't better than it was. I kind of think maybe Aquafina was miscast in it although I love her maybe it wasn't the right fit for this movie I didn't love the doubling down on the toxic relationship thing like it was kind of funny to hint at and maybe be something in the story that propels the rest of the story but then at the end they kept doubling down on it and I didn't I didn't think that was very funny or interesting oh okay I just found it to be the emotional center of the movie I mean as goofy as it is yeah, so. but you'd, I just didn't need it at the end. Like, Sure, yeah. I needed it to be the catalyst to, for his change, to be a, the different version of himself. And it didn't feel like it did. And then, no, and it did. And I, I was like, oh. great. But then he went back to it. Like, he, like it was the doubling down on like, this is so toxic and I'm a codependent. Like, oh, that's not what you want to hear from your hero. I'm a codependent. Did I see a different ending? <laughs> yeah, he kept yelling that. Maybe, uh, when he was beating yeah. up Dracula at the very, very end. He's like, I'm taking my power back. I'm a codependent. I'm oh, like, that might have been, maybe that's the wrong oh, word then to use. It was awful. It that's, kind of ruined it. Or do we not me. know what codependent means? I don't know. We do. And it's sad. It doesn't it's, matter. <laughs> it makes me think he's weak. <laughs> Pathetic. And I don't want that for my hero character at the very end of the movie. Yeah, no one wants that. The movie was great. Everything except for Nicholas Holt was awesome. I believe that Nicholas Holt could be shoved into a giant hole in the ground and survive off the sustenance from his forehead for several years. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, Ken, tell us how you really feel. He monologues like a president in the 1800s like (laughs) just shut up just stop talking you're already fighting people and ripping ripping arms and legs off and doing all this stuff just do that you don't you don't don't need the monologues over it don't talk and put a bag over your face i did like all the the gratuitous violence and the campy like ripping people's arms off Mm -hmm. and then throwing them like you know spears into their chests that gore should have been in cocaine bear yeah I thought it was really good, and yeah. I that I laughed more at that than other stuff. Yeah, I did too. Uh, but yeah, glad you guys were able to finally catch it because mm-hmm. someone needed to see it. Oh, <laughs> Kyle yeah. needed to talk to somebody. About I needed it. to talk to someone else about this. <laughs> <laughs> Besides sure myself, actually, he's still confused. That he's like, did I see the same movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just picked up on very different things in this. We'll figure this out. Speaking of very different things, uh, Variety did an article with very different theater CEOs where they interviewed them about the state yeah. of the industry. Yeah, they asked them, um, you know, very similar questions. Uh, and Basically, like, what are the biggest challenges facing the industry? Um, what are, is streaming an enemy? Is it helping or hurting the industry? What's happened with, um, what is it that, so, um, what am I trying to say? Superhero movies? Yeah, superhero movies and then um, supply chains. Supply chains, yeah. 
and um, how many trailers there should be. What is the the optimal number of trailers? They Which, all gave the same answer. They all gave the same answer, yet we still have to stick with certain chains that do way too many because they're being paid for them. There was even a person from a, a, a high chain being interviewed, and even they were like, yeah, three to five would be fine. Well, then do it. Then do it. <laughs> Please. We've done so much research into this, and I... we believe three to five trailers is correct. Now, here are 12 trailers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, I get why there's a lot of trailers. The bigger chains get paid to have to place their trailers. There is some revenue being passed and forth for that. So they want to play as many as they can because they get paid for the trailers. Why don't they limit it, limit the supply, and increase the demand increase so you get more price? price. Yeah. yeah. So y- We're only playing three trailers in front of our films. If right. you want your trailers to play, it's going to cost you X amount. Yeah. And this is the going rate because for this captive audience. And then that helps the audience. They're going to walk away having remembered which trailers they actually saw because yeah. they weren't diluted with 12 and options. And they won't have theater fatigue, which is, which is very real. Theater like fatigue leave, is very real. I mean, we're not... We're not in our 20s anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I will never do a double feature at a theater ever again. I just can't do it. Oh, I, I probably can't sit there. Yeah, no way would I do it. <laughs> right. And now with reserve seating, I don't even go. I go. I, we purposely go into the trailer time because we just cannot handle any ads or all those trailers. That's fair. Yeah. So it's just, I, I think they're hurting themselves. So anyways, they're all, everybody agrees it's three to five trailers. Now let's get this industry standard going yeah for sure one question that i saw that i think some smaller theater owners mentioned that i really appreciated was that uh when being asked about the aspects of movie going that could deserve an upgrade one of them mentioned that there is a need to be better at connecting to audiences social media wise and another one said reinvesting in the theaters themselves so that way you're not running a venue that gets too old or too beat up to where it could be a cause for the theater fatigue that we're kind of talking about. I completely agree with that. I think there's different perspectives on what that means to me. What I'd if I had all the resources and could direct all my theaters to do things, I would obviously have ongoing maintenance so that they were freshly painted. I would give the venues facelifts so that they would have, more of an atmosphere there was more of a brand identity when they went in but it Mm -hmm. felt but it didn't wasn't like merchandising branding it was just an experience like our our best the best theaters were the best performing ones are consistently changing they are renovating changing colors updating schedules changing menus I mean, really just looking at the nuts and bolts all the time. All the time. Seeing what is working and what's not working. I think for a lot of theater owners, they just get into a, this is my process. It's been my process for years. This is the product it that worked. I put out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it worked at one point. It'll work again. Like it, it, it just, they get in a rut. And I think a lot of business owners in general just get into a rut. Oh, it happens. Yeah. And it's very easy to do. It's very easy to be like, I don't want to spend this cost right now. I don't see the benefit of it. Or they just flat out don't have resources for it. But because mm-hmm. theaters are expensive venues to maintain uh, the equipment is expensive the you know concessions everything all the things that go into it labor is expensive these are not cheap operations just the square footage yeah the, it's the expensive heat, yeah the heating the cooling all of it is just expensive to go into so it's hard to be like how can i where do i find the resources to update this for sure 
but um, what I about, agree. What about your thoughts on the social media side of it? I think we've expressed before how more than ever we need to make sure that we do marketing right. ourselves on top of the studios. I think that they're correct in that, but I, I, I think it's a marketing issue. And I don't think it necessarily has to be social media, but I think what they're tapping into is they used to advertise with papers. That's not working anymore. Mm -hmm. How do you advertise? How do you get audience? How do you raise awareness for your venue? It seems to be the easy answer is social media and there, but how do you, how do you enter that fray and not get lost in it? Yeah. Yeah. And make yourself more visible than you currently are. If you're currently using an advertisement source, we'll say social media. If you're using social media once a week currently, do it three times a week. If you're doing yeah. it three times a week, make it every day. Yep. If you're doing it every day, make it twice a day. Like you have to increase your visibility. Or and and you have to make your message authentic. You have you have to really have a look at who your audience is, the area you're in, and really try to connect to them on a personal. Because because movie going is a loyal behavior that people given op opportunities to go to other places will pick a venue that they identify with and that they emotionally connect with mm -hmm. so try i think you will find the best bang for your buck is to emotionally and personally connect with your audience now that's sometimes hard to do through social media but there are other ways to tap into your community there are other venues there i think partnerships with other businesses in the community raise a lot of awareness and give people opportunities through other you know, um, events to see your, to see and be aware of your theater. So tapping into community, ver personalizing your messages, frequency, those are all things that I think you have to do. I think theater owners really have to take serious marketing. And what does that mean for their, not marketing of the movies, marketing of themselves as a venue? Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, anything else that you wanted to cover that Friday asked of these theaters i think what i liked um within this interview was mm -hmm. that it seemed like it was a widespread of different managers of theaters like there's a ceo for a big chain that they did but they also did someone who runs an art house theater or mm -hmm. someone that did like an independent theater uh you and i were saying earlier before the show that we kind of hoped that the article would give more of a voice towards the independent side but yeah. at least it was a good hodgepodge of different uh viewpoints oh yeah i think it was pretty well executed article i like the questions they asked um like you said they had everything from a corporate ceo to a uh, regional small chain to art houses to something more boutique um and i think the only thing they miss though and i was telling kyle this earlier is that i feel like when they think we need a single screen theater or we need a twin they always go the art house route. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just a perception that from Los Angeles or upper parts of the meat of our media industry that we have that reports on our industry. But I just feel like when somebody's and it might just be my experience and perception, but when somebody says single or twin, I think of that rural small town theater that you drive through and it might be on main street that the building's been there for 50 years and I just think those voices aren't being heard very well, like that rural thing, because that rural little, what we call mom pa theaters, they don't want the same films as the art house. And those films don't do nearly as well. And 
that's missing. I think that voice is missing in this. And I was able to source their uh, this theater in Columbia, Missouri, their excitement for everything everywhere. Yeah, it did. 25% of the revenue for the year in ticket sales. <laughs> wow. So I would be excited too. Yeah. <laughs> like McDonald's saying, We hear you, man. McDonald's like, saying, we love selling our French fries. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that's More where of that, we, please. That's where we made most of our money from. So yeah, it's pretty good and pretty good setup. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of shout outs for those managers saying like, thank you for mid-budget movies, especially mid-budget movies that get a surprise and they become more audience friendly right. than what we initially expected like everything everywhere uh, another theater mentioned like parasite i guess for their theater was a really big pop for them probably mm -hmm. around awards time so if if we keep voicing that hopefully uh the studios will recognize more and more that we do need smaller stories and not just the the big spectacles but of those smaller stories they don't have to be like fringe stories i feel like sometimes they get too artistic with those stories too out there too out there sure. too like yeah. niche or genre with mm -hmm. them they still just need to be in across the board generally just a good story like an air or a man called Otto, right just yeah. something an all audience and not a girl running away from an abusive relationship and turns out she's a cannibal yeah not that <laughs> No. I missed that one. Bone, bones and all or whatever it was oh, from last year. I didn't miss that year. one. <laughs> you didn't miss that one. But it was like. But yeah, I get it. This, has, this is Timothy Sh Camembert in it. Don't don't rest on this one. And then it opened to like people gave money not to see it. It's, right. it's no Dune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that's what it was. The Kind of the overall thing was a volume, you know, that we we are but we're starting to come back on the volume thing but the problem with the volume of number of films on each week is that what we're seeing now as the volume comes back is just a hoarding of certain lucrative weeks in the year yep. so we're seeing a lot of like highs and lows and and it would be nice to have something more consistent uh you know a couple films each and every week and and not group, I don't know, all the kids movies just in June or July and so they cannibalize each other because families and people want family products throughout the whole year. So that would be a one. The family comedies is a huge thing too. Yes. And and I don't PG live action family comedies. Yeah. Can we bring spy kids back? Like just something Please, those types of movies. Not put them in theaters, not, not on spy kids. Right. Not a spy kids. Spy kids is great. Please but you know, dear God. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I those do, types yeah, of Yeah. Something that you movies. could take no, grandma you lost me. to. Spy Kids is great. But that's not or just night, just a nice PG PG thirteen film that um, you can take grandma to. You could take a kid to, but you don't necessarily because I think adults don't want to live in our in our movies all the time. Right. They just they don't want they don't need that and and that and sometimes that drama and that negativity they just they don't want it. I feel like we've kind of gotten away from like bread and butter fun action or comedy. The pop. Like this, I feel like the 80s and 90s where it was um, like like Ghostbusters and mm -hmm. Goonies and like those are the things that did really well through the pandemic. At its core, that's really what audiences in America want. Yeah. I'd also say um, let's just shift it away and start making more films for American audiences and not worry so much about global audiences as well. Like I feel like we've lost something special in in filmmaking by trying to weed out certain cultural references so that the film 
works on a global scale like no let's double down on our culture let's get back we'll, to like we'll do that conversation things. again next week where we look at france being 0.34 percent of the yeah. global box office <laughs> and china having a huge percentage of the global box office but none of the film companies actually reporting revenue from that yeah <laughs> Hmm. Or reporting what they get in <laughs> yeah, revenue from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. No, I. But I'm right there with you. Like that. That. Those are the markets and the types of movies that we need to maybe mm-hmm. shift more focus on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a good, a good overall article, and I think it gets us having a great conversation about where we see our industry going and the things that, from people that actually have experience in it. This isn't from people that write about the industry or you uh, know. a box office analysis right. saying theaters are doomed. Oh my gosh. No. Some wall street guy that <laughs> yeah, doesn't understand yeah. how our industry works because he's looking at normal, you know, like financial stuff. And yeah, he's just, I don't even know what they do. How do you even describe that? Yeah. What do you do in wall street? <laughs> right. You just need a, a movie industry guy that doesn't look at any other industry so that he just lives and breathes in ours. And then that, that'll be a better perspective because it's so different. You can never compare to the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be ideal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So do we want to get to our final topic yes. before we head out of here? Yeah. Bring it around back to CinemaCon. How have the reactions well, been? Uh, bring it, things? bring it back to Kyle's baby here. Yeah. That he's been he's been campaigning for the segment for a while. Me too. Have, have I? I thought that was more Cody's idea myself. It he's, has been mine. Been I get pushing. so fired up by, by critics that I'm like, we have to have a segment about how like moronic these people are. And I went, okay. Yeah. He I was like, okay, I'll put it in. So yeah. I guess one of the things during our cinema CinemaCon segment that we could have said also was that the Flash had its premiere during CinemaCon and we heard from theater owners, people that were there saying like the movie does look great, but we also noticed a lot of the film journalists, reviewers, uh, pundits had, were able to share their tweets on social media about the movie. And when they do that, they can't give specifics. They can't give actual reviews. So what they do is that they pretty much use buzzwords to amp up the excitement of a movie yeah and while i we we do think the flash is going to be good like the trailers have been great we hear nothing about great things from people who saw it Mm -hmm. but just some of the buzzwords that they were putting in their tweets were just hilarious to where (laughs) we've seen this for every superhero movie and we just know what the trend is right so there were some tweets that say things like one of the very best dc movies a perfect blend between action heart and humor so many wow moments and chill-inducing moments that longtime DC fans will love. I don't I, think DC fans have been around that long, yeah. <laughs> judging no, by the one reactions. Of, one of the of very best movies. DC movies. I mean, what what kind of competition is this? Is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a DC has been, you know, made fun of roundly for just not having movies that are that are that are critically panned, mm. and whether or not they make money, which they do, and they have. They're they're not for a critical audience, and those critics like one of the very best. It's like, let's check all of your other reviews where you just dumped <laughs> yeah. on Warner Brothers and DC for their movies. Yeah, for I sure. love the end of this tweet though, where they where they said Michael Keaton still got it. He, in he, the last he ten nearly years, won an Oscar twice. <laughs> in the last ten years, he's made Birdman, The Founder, and Spotlight. Yeah, <laughs> we know he still got it. <laughs> which which any of those could be in AFI's top one hundred, and you wouldn't. You wouldn't shake it. Yeah, you you'd, wouldn't, be, you'd be like, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> he still got it. <laughs> Another tweet says, 
The Flash is fantastic. I know Ezra Miller has made a lot of mistakes, such as beating up people in bars and yeah. stealing out of homes and possibly endangering children, but the movie is so good. <laughs> love Keaton, love the action, humor, and emotion. No descriptions about any of those three things, but I like if th- you want action, humor, and emotion, it's in there. <laughs> I like Thumbs Way Up. I also like the one tweet that's like, The Flash is hand down one of the big best superhero films of all time no joke (laughs) okay for real we promise no joke (laughs) oh my gosh i did see one tweet too i i haven't shout out any of the twitter handles but this one i will it's it's a twitter handle of scoobert on film could not find anything if it's a a actual critic or somehow someone (laughs) snuck in and saw the movie but they tweeted out that the movie uh is obviously great but with a Twitter handle of Scoobert on film and they give very vague details. I'm not willing to take much stock into it. Yeah. <laughs> like where, who are you? Yeah. Scoobert? <laughs> where did you come from? I think the best for me, the best critic responses or the best um, reviews always have something in it. That's like personal to the film. Yeah. And these are hard cause they can't do that. But if you were to just talk with your buddies and you said, you've got to see this film, I always pick up like one scene in particular. It's Mm -hmm. like, it was so funny and it amplifies what you're trying to say about the film. And they can't do that here, but I feel like those personal reviews, they can be simple, but it's like the one reason why you would see the film and nobody ever gives the one reason why. Yeah. That's the hard part with these. I understand like there's embargoes that, that are in place, so you can't, give a full review you can't go too much in depth about these things but it would help like to think of it as pitching it to a friend of yours like i'm not going to tell my friend oh if you like action and if you want wow moments this is the movie for you yeah i'm gonna be like yeah there's some like really cool stuff that they do with the flash's powers or there's like a really good or story that'll make you like the flash more i didn't see the flash movie because we're not at CinemaCon, but i've seen the trailer a lot and i could i feel like i could give a better review of the movie just based off the trailer like Mm -hmm. by just saying something like oh my gosh the barry on barry interplay is so funny or and you're just it it makes you interested between ezra miller and michael keaton were incredible because they're they're literally in the trailer together talking to each other like you can't you can't say you can't be like it's hilarious watching michael keaton's frustration with ezra miller like it could be something like just general like that from the trailer Mm -hmm. where you're just like that you can pick up that you don't have to describe the whole plot of the movie or an integral plot point it could just be about the little things that make movies fun like the little comedy parts or the little awkward moments you're like the, the car record. scene set the tone. Yeah. I mean, come <laughs> yeah. on. What when are it we gets doing going, here? it really gets going. You're <laughs> like, what is. Okay, I hope so. This is <laughs> what I mean about our industry needs to be more like authentic and personal. Yeah. I mean, and everybody saw the same thing. They didn't need to write the same thing. They they all did really feel the same way. I, yeah, I just have seen this the past few years, and over time, it's just a realization of, oh, they really are just trying to use buzzwords rather than try to be they a little more bots. descriptive. It, it, the chat G, G, P, T, whatever could have done a better job than these guys. Mm-hmm. No, but we had the, the same thing with, with Top Gun last year where yeah. they're like the, you know, the visuals were amazing. It's like 
the planes attacking each other was super cool. Like, <laughs> you could have just said that. There were obviously going to be planes fighting each other in the film. You're not going to spoil got, this for me, right, I promise. I got motion sickness when they took a nosedive. It was so realistic. Yeah, like, like a description of a scene. Oh, my gosh. But... Without any plot points. Yeah. But that would make me want to go see it on the big screen because mm-hmm. I was like, will I get motion sickness? Because yeah. this is so realistic. <laughs> and and we did a little. So especially on an IMAX. We did, we did a little. Yeah. yeah. I am happy to hear people are loving The Flash. I'm glad Warner Bros. decided. Why did I say weird like that? Yeah. The Warner Bros. The Warner Bros. <laughs> I'm glad that they decided to put it out in CinemaCon, especially for the movie theaters because mm-hmm. they seem so driven towards the theatrical experience. Um, so many weeks before just... it came out too yeah that's true I'm looking at you Disney <laughs> looking at you we're only Booger. one week out of Guardians and we're gonna watch Booger Man spoiled anything we're gonna watch Booger Man instead yeah <laughs> I'm not even there and I'm frustrated for the people that are there yeah what an odd choice but we did that maybe next year <laughs> when we went last year they did Universal had several things I mean they always have with them in focus they have lots yeah. of things lined up and they played that Ethan Hawke movie, the horror movie. Yeah, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It was a very sparse crowd. That yeah. one's that one's a bit intense. Yeah, I get it. A little intense for <laughs> some of these people left their families to go to this thing, and Same. after that movie, they'll want to call Same. and check up on them. Oh yeah, my it's gosh. pretty intense. After the extended Bros trailer, <laughs> they, they put that on screen. It was there was a lot of people over fifty that were like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing to me? I'm at the wrong event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap up uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. All yep. right. We got a big you know, week upcoming with Guardians of the Galaxy this oh week. We've got yeah. two kind of mid-majors with uh, Big George Foreman, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Yep. It's got to be the two longest titles for wide release oh films opening on the same week. I've just been calling it Margaret and George. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody knows what I'm talking like about. Like they're your grandparents. <laughs> Margaret and George this weekend. I've got Margaret and George this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> they're coming into town. They're going to be here for a couple of weeks. <laughs> a couple of weeks. <laughs> and then we're going to send them off before summer starts. <laughs> Before they go back down to the desert, and then, it's nice. And then, like, and then the Guardians are coming in next week. <laughs> yeah. I don't even say it's to, the third Guardians; it's just Guardians. The Guardians to take away Margaret and George. Like, yeah. who are these? People? They're gonna take out Margaret and George. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we have a plot of a new movie here. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Where they just murder old people with old people names. Yeah. Eth- <laughs> Ethel and Bernard are all going down. Yeah. <laughs> No, not Ethel. Watch out, Clarence. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, Bye. everyone. Thank you for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at ScreenInsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off the Break Podcast.